Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and welcome to Cracking Addiction and we have with us Dr. Laura Petrocek. So Laura, it is now time to discuss the 12th step, the final step of the 12 step program. What is the 12th step? The 12 step 12 Fergal is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to alcoholic and addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I mean, you know, when I hear that, the first thing I think about is Christ's exhortation to his disciples. So this really is, um, this really is embedded in, in, in Judeo-Christian the- in, you know, mythology or theology, depending on your point of view. What do you think about it? Uh, yes, I would say there's a lot of overlap or similarities. Mm. Go out into the world and spread the message. Right. But it's also not just Judeo-Christian. I think most religions, you know, Buddhism, a lot of religions are about um, not just spreading the message, but uh, to me, the 12-step more, if you really distill it, is about love and service, offering love and service to people. Um, I mean, initially or, you know, at first to other people struggling with alcohol and drug issues, but really to everybody. Mm, yeah. And that is a message. And I think most religions, whether it's, you know, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, I'd say a lot of the big ones. Hmm. So look, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not trying to in any way belittle the message, but you are absolutely right. I think the core of that 12th step is it's all about service to others. And when we think about service to others, I, I am very interested in the recovery journey. And there's a couple of principles in recovery that, are, that, that I think are very important. And one of them is that you know, you, people have to engage in meaningful activity. And then that, then that begs the question, well, what is a meaningful activity? And for me, there's either there's, there's there's basically two meanings in life, two purposes in life, if you will. One is to make money. Some people that's their purpose, but the other the other purpose is to make a difference. And making a difference is basically synonymous with service to others. So I actually encourage service to others as part of the the uh, the, the um, interventions that I offer to people who are trying to start their journey of recovery. And you know that it's it's I suppose it's really opposite of the twelfth step, the final step actually is basically saying the same thing. Service to others gives people meaning and allows people and or provides people with some of the strength required to stay on that journey. Yes, that is a um, common thread and theme in the twelfth step in AA in general. I've, um, throughout the years, uh, I've had many a sponsor say when I'm calling, if I call them about whatever problem I'm dealing with at that time, um, you know, a lot of times they'll not necessarily address the issue at hand, but why don't you go find another alcoholic and addict to help today? And, um, and nine times out of 10, that actually helps when, when the focus is not on myself, when it's not me, me, me. 
Uh, and so for other alcoholics and addicts, when the focus is not on themselves. And when you're helping other people, it's like you get lost in that, or not lost, but you, it is self-forgetting and you feel better. I feel um, So it really is uh, definitely one of the tenets of the 12th, uh, of the 12th step. So is it just, so let's, let's hone in on that. You said you forget your own problems if you're helping others. Is it just forgetting your own problems or is there some other psychological principle at working behind the scenes, helping others to help yourself? Right. Is there well, anything else going on? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, you're not just forgetting your problems. It also feels good to share your experience, strength and hope. It gives a sense of, um, oh, yeah, I do know some things. I, I do have some ideas to help you through whatever they're struggling with. Mm. Uh, it also gives, I think, one a sense of purpose and uh, helps people to, you know, get outside themselves. And, it feel, you know, you feel good after you help somebody. Mm. Mm. Um, one feels good, like, oh, wow, I, mm. I helped that person. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so a good I point. suppose another way of looking at it is that we are all social creatures. We are we are designed, programmed, if you will, to be part of something bigger and better than ourselves. And helping others surely falls into that. We are pro-social by definition. Yeah, and mm. we're um, not just pro-social, but like there is uh, I forget the name of this group, but. There's a group of people lucky enough to, uh, they've made it their mission or their goal to retire early only to do work full time, not getting paid, doing service work. Mm. And, you know, they've interviewed a lot of these folks and they said the rewards were like a hundred times better than getting money. And uh, that's that's their, what they're going to do the second half of their life is work for different nonprofits without getting paid. And uh, so there's definitely a lot of intrinsic rewards that aren't anything to do with money or. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that that's um, I suppose that's a desire for altruism. Mm-hmm. And then but then again, somebody once asked me, well, if someone else knows that you're doing it for nothing, is it because they themselves know? Is that truly altruistic? Well, they don't know that. I mean, people, I think, in the program know, but let's say back to these other folks who are, are, are now working, um, helping people uh, at doing service. Uh, the, the people they're helping don't know. Mm. Um, they're side-by-side side people who are getting paid. So, you know. All right. Um, right. Yeah. Right. But okay. yeah, people in the program, I mean, they pretty much know you're not getting paid for this. Um you know, not monetarily anyway. Yeah. And that's an important point, I suppose, isn't it? This, this, no one is doing this for money. You know, the, this journey through the 12 steps, the sponsoring, it's all out of the, the, uh, the goodness of people's hearts, isn't it? Yes. Mm. One of the things you just said there was getting out of themselves. I think that was the phrase you used. Yeah. And to me, that alludes to a personal growth journey. 
And I believe that everyone should be on a personal growth journey and that everyone should be aspiring to be better today than they were yesterday. Now, it may be the fact that our starting points might be different, but we're all on a growth journey, or at least we all should be on a growth journey. And I find that a very good point of commonality. It's a very good way of relating to people. What do you think about growth in this context? Um, well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, it's interesting. I've heard this said at a lot of meetings. This isn't a, a self-help program or a personal growth program, but yet a lot of personal growth happens. Um, mm. So I, I, I kind of disagree in that regard. And um, in terms of everyone being on a path of growth, I think some people, they... Uh, are aware of it or they want to be. I think some people are like, no, that's not the way I'm going. Um, or they, if you talk to them about it, they're like, what? no, I'm like, this is my goal and this is my next goal and this is what I'm doing. And they don't see it as personal growth. They see it as uh, goal oriented, uh, making progress. So not everyone, um, you know, I worked in San Quentin for seven years. Uh, there's a lot of men who personal growth was not uh, foremost on their mind. Um, but interestingly enough, after coming into prison, uh, you know, and working with a lot of these men, uh, a lot of them did change. You know, I did see personal growth. They saw personal growth after getting out of whatever life they were leading beforehand. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. So, There's a lot of people who aren't awake. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose really what you're saying is that some people don't like that phraseology and really, you know, goal-directed living, perhaps better for them. But, you know, uh, you know, it's it, to me, it's the same thing. It's synonymous. But, you know, and so why quibble over phraseology? Well, I don't think it's phraseology, though. I mean, so let's take, I mean, you live in Australia. I'm in America. America is very individual oriented, you know, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's every man and woman for themselves. Uh, it's a very individualistic, uh, very all about me culture. And it really goes against the uh, framework of personal growth. It's about, you know, what can I do to further myself? And that means stepping on A, B, C, and D. Who cares if I can get to and that's run on the ladder. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily just phraseology. It's also culture. And unfortunately, you know, America's culture is so uh, goal-driven and achievement-driven. And, um, you know, like I said, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You, It's very challenging for a lot of people to ask for help in this culture because this is not a you-ask-for-help culture. There's something mm. wrong with you. Uh, is the message. There's a lot of shame if you need help. Uh, and yet, this is the same culture from which sprang forth the 12 steps. This is the same culture. That's right. Um, mm. Not necessarily, I would say, well, I mean, look at Bob. You know, he was uh, in the stock market. He made, I don't know, would be considered probably millions today. 
and, and he yet you know uh, that wasn't yeah, his greatest it. his greatest achievement was writing a book to help the most vulnerable people in society. Yes. You know, so, you know, you know, I've, I've said earlier, you know, you know, you've got, there's basically two purposes in life to make money or to make a difference. What do you think he would be more proud of the money that he made or the difference that he made? Oh, hands down the difference that he made. No question about it. Yeah. I mean, this is the, I, money in the stock market. I shouldn't laugh, but in the stock market crash, he lost all thousands, millions anyway, but yeah, wouldn't be his greatest. Yeah. So, you know, I I do believe that uh, wanting to make a difference in life is actually uh, the most rewarding or or being able to make a difference in people's lives is the most rewarding part of uh, growth. That's just how I feel about it. I mean, it's, um, I'm not here. No, to... I, I think that's a good point. I think for especially people in our profession, you know, in the helping fields, that is our main goal is to help other people. And that is a good feeling, uh, you know, that we have helped other people. Um, but that's more specific to our field. If you ask people who are in finance or banking, or other fields, I don't think they'd necessarily say that's the same goal for them. How does this step, let's move on from the kind of the philosophy of helping people, right? But how does this step help people maintain sobriety? Because you've done it, you've done the training course, the training wheels are now off, you're cured, off you go. Well, you're not necessarily cured. <laughs> you're, uh, there's, there's many... <laughs> Uh, sayings in the program. One is uh, you're either going closer to a drink or farther away from one. But um, now you're at a place of you could share what you learned Mm. to other people struggling. And that's where the healing is or continued healing is for the person doing the 12-step work and also for the person you're trying to help. Mm. You know, um, I mean, there's also another saying, (laughs) sorry, I keep phrasing it that, but that's what it is. Um, The most important person in the room is the newcomer. And for that is, is that who you're going to focus on? So like last night, there's a woman who, you know, they ask who's new. This woman sitting right next to me said she was new. And, uh, you know, spending time talking with her after the meeting, um, I felt better and, she said she really appreciated uh, our conversation, what I had to share. And um, yeah, so 12-step work is very, I think, healing for, for both parties. Right. And so that healing then is, the, is one of the things that keeps people on the, on the journey of sobriety. Right. What else keeps people on the journey of sobriety? Um, connecting with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, they do uh, have what's called service and in institutions. So going out to, there's different groups that go out to either hospitals, psychiatric wards, treatment centers, or prisons to uh, hold 12-step meetings. Mm. And that's an example of doing service. 
Yeah. And a lot of people I know, you, like branch this uh, helping others to all people, um, not just like alcoholics or addicts. It's just uh, like if let's just say someone out of the blue said, "Oh, I need help with A, B, or C." and they weren't in the program and maybe I had the time to help them, then I would, um, mm. you know, so, uh, but then codependency, <laughs> that's another issue, but anyway, so for the most part, you want to help people when you can, if it's not at the expense of your own, uh, well-being. Yes. Yes. I, I recommend people give of their surplus, but no more and give of their surplus without expectation of recompense. Mm. So we've heard throughout the 12 step journey, the role of the sponsor, right? Mm -hmm. Is it at the 12th step that it's appropriate to become a sponsor? Uh, Not necessarily. Sometimes people become a sponsor before they reach the 12th step. All right. So how do you know that if you're fit to sponsor? I mean, if someone is only at step four, can they sponsor someone as step eight? Is there a well, hierarchy? There's no hard and fast rules about it. I mean, mm-hmm. most sponsors will tell the sponsee, I think it's best if you wait until the 12th step, but maybe, you know, like I had a sponsee who was on the A step and said, oh, this woman asked me if I could be your sponsor. What do you think, Laura? I said, well, what do you think? You know, do you feel like you're ready? And uh, I think she had about a year sobriety. So part of it is also time. I more look at time. How long have you been sober? Because some people could take 10 years to go through the 12 steps. I mean, it's not like school where you take one semester and then you're done um, or when you finish. So I think it's more about the quality of your sobriety, the length of it. And if you feel ready, and also when you're talking to your sponsor, if they feel ready, if they feel you're ready. Right. Right. So, but having said that, do you think there is a role in waiting for completion of of the 12th step or is it really, am I just trying to conflate the two issues? No, I, I think it's, I think there's definitely, um, it makes sense to wait, you know, it kind of be like someone who's going through a therapy training program and seeing clients before they're finished with their training. Mm-hmm. I think that's putting the cart before the horse. So that may be a similar dynamic. I think it's wise or wiser to having gone through the journey yourself before you start helping someone else. Right. Right. Now, unfortunately, uh, alcohol use disorder is a chronic relapsing disease. So we need to accept the, the possibility of relapse. How, where, how do you deal with relapse when you're enjoying your 12th step? You know, what, what's, what happens there? Well, okay. So for myself, or I, I'll put it more like, I think I've mentioned this woman, I'm sponsoring this woman who tends to relapse like every other week. And I see my role as more um, or one of being compassionate, seeing, okay, where are we missing something in the steps or just in her life in general? Um, And then focusing maybe on meetings. Uh, 
But it's interesting. I've several people that have had problems relapsing have also mentioned they feel they have no purpose in life. So I think it's really important. Um, they found in doing uh, studies after men got out of San Quentin, the number one protective factor was if they had a, got a job for not recidivism, not going back to prison. And I mm-hmm. think that there's some truth in that too, people in recovery. I mean, helping others is a purpose in and of itself, but if you're still relapsing, you're not at that place yet to help others. So, or, you know, not able to. And uh, so it's challenging. Um, I, it's, it's much easier to stay sober and get sober. I'll never Mm. forget that banner that was in a New York meeting when I lived in New York for 10 years. Yeah. Cause it's really challenging. Yeah. So if you, if you do heaven forbid relapse and you've done the 12 step, do you go back to the first step or do you, do you, do you go back to the fourth step? Do you, you know, to what extent do you get demoted? If at all. Well, you don't get demoted, but we go back to the beginning. Okay. Let's take a few steps back. So if you're at, uh, so if you've done the 12 step and you relapse, then you go back to step 10. That's what you've just said. No, no. Step one. Step one. You always go back to step one. Yeah? You always go back. Cause step one is the only step you could do perfectly. Meaning, you know, you're a hundred percent clean and sober. So if you haven't got that concept down, the rest is a moot point. So we need to get that. And one thing that I haven't mentioned, but I've mentioned to clients and sponsees alike is, I don't know if it's the same, they call it the same medicine in Australia, but uh, an abuse is really helpful for alcoholics uh, to not pick up that drink um, because an abuse, you end up throwing up and getting deathly ill. So it's a, it's a good deterrent in that sense. And um, actually, this, uh, not sponsor, but client, I worked with her psychiatrist to get her on an abuse. And it's been helpful because if you intellectually know, oh, if I have that drink, all bets are off. I'm, you know, and who likes, you know, throwing up? Nobody. So it's a, it's a good deterrent in that regard. And I think it's important. I don't think enough, I, I wish that, 12-step program would work more hand-in-hand with the medical personnel, and unfortunately, they don't. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see the role of uh, antabuse disulfiram in, uh, in helping people. In, in Australia, it's not really first or even second line, but it is, it is used. It is used. But that brings us on nicely onto the role of medication within the 12-step. You know, is it so there are some 12-step programs that, that reject people who are using medication to assist in uh, sobriety from whatever drug or alcohol it might be. What's your view? Well, personally, my own experience is that, you know, way back in the day, uh, the attitude was more of if you're on any type of medication, you're not clean and sober. Like after I had my first manic break at age 21, Um, but the people, the women in my Tuesday night group said, oh, if they say you need lithium, then that's what you need. You know, um, I mean, even in the big book, it says defer to what doctors recommend in certain cases, not what we recommend. And, uh, 
But that attitude has changed tremendously over the years, meaning people uh, being on medication. Well, first of all, it's talked about more openly in meetings and it's more accepted for people like that's part of your medicine, like going to a meeting is part of your medicine and taking whatever medication you need to is part of your medicine. So finally, Laura, looking back at all the 12, at all the 12 steps, what is your final message of hope for someone who might be struggling? Uh, there's always hope. Um, it's, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. And, there's always uh, hope and it's darkest before the dawn. And there's always, there's going to be another day. There's going to be another morning. You just got to mm. hang in there. You just got to hang in there. Okay. On that note, Laura, I want to thank you for your time and your expertise and your commitment to talking us through the 12-step program. Thank you very much, Dr. Laura Petrachek. Thank you, Fergal. I really appreciate you uh, having me on the show, and I really enjoyed being a continuing guest over this past year. That's all for today, folks. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and this has been Cracking Addiction.